Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Hope you've had a good weekend and it's been yet another interesting weekend in the National League. And looking over it with me this morning, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. And also with us, it is Rob Worrell. He has, he's pulled over on his journey home to chat to us this morning. Hello, Rob. Yeah, morning, guys. It's wet and windy. Wet and windy. Um, <laughs> and uh, as, as we record this, and uh, listeners, Dickie and I just had five or ten minutes there just chatting, uh, just uh, drowning our sorrows a little bit verbally, weren't we? Just, just getting it all off our chest after the pain of... Uh, of no wins between our teams uh, at the weekend. But hey, we're going to reveal it all anyway and we're going to find some positives. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was <laughs> a virtual confession booth, it was. I can tell you now, listeners, it was... Uh, I was listening and it wasn't positive. <laughs> you didn't find any positive between them. No. <laughs> I'm surprised you stayed on the line, Luke. Yeah. After, after uh, I'd woken up. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Looking at the top of the National League, we have a brand new leader. It is Boreham Wood because there were some really tough results yesterday in the National League. We'll, we'll get onto those shortly, but we've got to start with Boreham Wood going top of the division. They managed to wangle a 1-0 win against Southend. Tyrone Marsh squeezing in from a really tight angle. They had new boss Kevin Marr sent to the stand pretty much after the goal had gone in and... Well, I mean, Bournemouth, I think they start the day in third, didn't they? They've leapfrogged everyone and, and they're into top spot now. Yeah, amazing. Um, they've obviously had a good start to this. We knew that. They didn't concede any goals for ages. And then from that point on, they probably slipped a little bit under the radar as Chesterfield went through the gears, as Grimsby started to pull away. And I know life like passes very quickly at the moment. The older you get, the quicker it goes. But I swear, I feel like within the last few days, I looked at the table and Grimsby had a five-point lead. And now they're not even top. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. That's that's because they've lost two in a row now. They lost, as we mentioned, on Tuesday night at Wheelstone. And then they lost at home to a last-minute winner, Ruben Rodriguez, scoring for Notts County in front of a sellout crowd at Grimsby. And I know reading some of the comments from the Notts County fans were kind of like... How did we win that? But a win is a win. And, and maybe Grinsby just having a little patch now where looks just going against them a little bit. But uh, I don't think they'll be too downhearted. They'll still be really pleased with the start, won't they? But for Notts County, massive result. I think this is when Paul Hurst will really find out about his team now. This is when the Grimsby fans will really find out about their team. Um, it's a lovely thing when you've got it, momentum in football. And everybody says, oh, yeah, the team spirit's great. The togetherness. But when that really counts is when you suffer a bit of adversity and it's back-to-back defeats now for Grimsby. I'm absolutely sure they've got the quality in their squad and, and, and the manager that will keep them right in the upper reaches of the table. But for them now, it'll be all about getting that next three points on the board as soon as possible. But just quietly going about their business, fair play to Notts County. And they would have been pretty content with a goal, you know, with a clean sheet and a point from Grimsby yesterday. To go and win it late on in the 90th minute, Ruben Rodriguez, that's going to feel like a, a really, really key result for them. And uh, congratulations to Notts County. Yeah, I was going to say Notts County had a little blip. They, they lost three games in a row um, uh, not that long ago, but they're four unbeaten now. And that, that result yesterday 
almost feels a little bit like the kind of result that maybe some people didn't think they were capable of. I know when I saw them against Wheelston, it was 3-2. It was very open. Um, and there were some comments made to, to the effect that, you know, as entertaining as it was and as much as not to county fans were enjoying it, it, it they were only going to be enjoying it as much as they were coming out on the right side of it and then of course they have a little run of defeats a 1-0 win away to a team like Grimsby as I said just just almost feels a little bit like the kind of result that maybe some people didn't think that Notts County could get but they did that will give them big big confidence you know that, that they can that can do that kind of thing again and and once again you know they're back into the mix That'll really please a manager. It'll really please Ian Birchner, won't it? As you say, Dickie, to go away and grind out a 1-0 win. Managers love that, don't they? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, the situation they're in, yes, absolutely. You know, it's um, it's those kind of points when you look back at the end of the season that there can be the difference between, you know, I'm not going to say being champions in County's case, but you never know. You know, it, it's, <laughs> we're still a long way to go in the season yet, but... Yeah, one nil wins away from home, um, a, a, a clean sheet and one goal. It doesn't matter how you get it. If you get it as late as Notts County did yesterday, that's an absolute killer for Grimsby. There's almost no chance of coming back from that. Um, and yeah, I imagine it would have been a, a very happy bus journey back to Nottinghamshire yesterday. Down in East London, it was 2-2 between Dagenham and Chesterfield. Both managers were rather philosophical afterwards. Darren McMahon was really pleased with his first half dis- sides, first half display, but then when they, were t- they went two 0 up there, and then Chesterfield managed to to peg it back, and Kabongo Shimanga proving his worth once again, a really good goal to get the equaliser. And James Roll kind of went, well, you know, you can't win them all, but they've got seven points in a week, and he said that is championship form. So both managers have reasons to be cheerful. Both managers will still be want things to work on as well, but ultimately Chesterfield maybe missed a chance to go top as well. Yeah, and uh, regular contributor to the NL Full-Time podcast, Mick Payne, was there and uh, exchanged his thoughts on the game and both clubs with James Glass after the match. Right, we're here with the NL Full-Time podcast with the England C-team coach, Mick Payne. He's just watched Dagenham 2, Chesterfield 2. What a game. Well, it was a game, James. As I said, we, uh, we called it before the game started. It- Perhaps this could be the game of the day. There's been some good games in this uh, National League. But Chesterfield have come here flying. And uh, they've took on a very, very good, what I call, resolute Dagenham Redbury side. Daggers come into this game basically losing four out of five league games. They got a result against the South End uh, last week, but uh, they knew they was going to be in a game against this uh, Chesterfield outfit. And then, unfortunately, about 12 minutes into the game or so, Lance Maguire's gone down. Uh, he's one of our uh, England boys and uh, with a nasty injury. I'm not too sure what the uh, damage is there, but it seems to really shook uh, the Chesterfield outfit. And in that time, the Daggers then capitalised and they scored two goals very, very quickly in terms of Balanta and uh, Saunders, they, he popped up on the far stick and put one away and it just made it 2-0 to the Daggers. But you could sense it, James. You could sense the game, how it was going in terms of where it is. We know Chesterfield are dangerous, but the Daggers saw it out up to the second half and the Daggers went in at 2-0. Well, the game changed pretty quickly 
in the second half. Two goals, five minutes. Whatever was said at half-time by James Rowe clearly had an effect. Well, exactly. You know, we, we know, we already said it, you know, they're a good side and Rowe, the manager's gone in there. I don't suppose he would have gone in there and uh, screamed and shouted. He would have said, look, we can get the next goal. We all knew about that. We said it on commentary. You get the next goal here, you'll be back in the game. We know if 2-0 was a funny old scoreline and they did and they got on the end of it, made it 2-1. Ball's come in. He's come in and leaped up and scored a great header. And then... The man up top has come and popped up. He hasn't done much all game with Shamanga, but we know that he can score. And he's popped up and put the second one and made it 2-2. It then became game on and it got a little bit scrappy, got a little bit untidy. And the daggers, I'll go back to it, they were really, really, uh, I wouldn't say scraping the barrel, that's a little bit harsh, but they were out of the bare bones in terms of their clientele who was playing for their squad. And you could see both sides looked a little bit leggy, a little bit tired, but all in all, a 2-2 for me was a fair, fair result today. I think we've got to quickly touch on the red card as well. Uh, Jamie Grimes, the goal scorer, sent off and captain eventful afternoon for him. What was your view on it from a, a Chesterfield point of view? Yeah, I think if I was a Chesterfield uh, manager, supporter, I thought it was a little bit harsh. I don't think the referee realised it. Well, I'm sure he did realise that he's already took a yellow card earlier on, but then he's given one, I think it was about five, six minutes from time, and perhaps it just put uh, a little bit of the frighteners up the, uh, the Chesterfield back line, but now it's a little bit of a harsh red, uh, red card for me. But as I can say, I'll go back to it. This is what the National League's about, James. The National League is this, what I call, not just blood and fun, there's a lot of skill on show, some excellent players on show, and today just proved a point. I think there was about 1,700 fans here. Great, great support from the Chesterfield contingent. I think it was 500 of those. And as I said, all in all, delightful to be here, an honour to be here and see a really, really good game in the National League. So after Stockport County's two on home defeat against Barnet on Tuesday night, Simon Rusk was relieved of his duties on Wednesday morning. So it's been a bit of a funny time at Stockport County this season. So we've got on somebody who knows a lot about Stockport County. He's non-league reporter and also he's a non-league ground hopper blogger, but most of all, a Stockport County fan. It is Phil Brennan. Hello, Phil. Hiya. Good morning, lads. So it's been... Um, been a bit of a strange one and it's but it has felt like it's been coming hasn't it the last few weeks yeah I mean I, I don't get to see county as much as, as I used to because obviously I go all over the show I did go to Notts County and I've seen a couple of the home games um, but I think uh, and I, you know for me when the, the new owner brings in a, a director of football and you've got somebody like Jim Gannon at the club you got to know your history and Jim isn't the sort of person who would work with a director of football um, because, and and in Jim's defence, why should he work with somebody who doesn't know as much as he does? You know, (laughs) just for me, Simon Wilson has brought in, he's decided to move Jim Gannon on and bring in, you know, an academy manager or an academy coach. And I think I've said this often enough that academy coaches don't coach to win games. They coach to progress the players. Um, and at Notts County last week, they were 2-0 down and they were still playing keep ball across the back. I, I counted a 21-pass move before the ball actually got into Notts County's half and the 2-0 down with eight minutes to go. And that says to me, you, you know, you really can't understand how important it is to win a game. Now, I feel sorry for Simon Russ because he was given, you know, if somebody offers you the job, and you want to progress yourself, you're going to take it. But I think it's totally unfair that somebody who's never actually managed at any level, you know, in, you know, 
rather than coaching, to give him the what many consider to be the biggest game in biggest manager's job, you know, in non-league football, it, it just seems unfair to put that sort of pressure on him. Um, and they say it was a project, it was a work in progress, but you can't be 12 points behind promotion places with no sign of winning games and expect to keep your job. You know, it's as simple as that. I mean, there is, a as I say, a certain amount of, I feel a bit sorry for him because I think he was hung out to dry. Uh, and I think I've said it before, I think Simon Wilson has probably got to get this next one right or he's probably out of a job. It's, yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, the betting during the week was uh, showing Keith Hill at 4 to on Dave Conlon, who's a county man through and through, and he took charge of the game at Dover on Saturday, in which he won 5-2. Paul Lynch was 8-1, to Andy Morrison and Michael Flynn, former Newport County manager, he was 8-1, to as was Chris Breach, 10-1. to However, the favourite is Dave Challoner, and, and sort of as we record this, I think all betting's been suspended on Dave Challoner being manager, hasn't it? Yeah, I saw that this morning. It's just, um, I mean, he gave a very cryptic, interview after they get funny enough they got hammered five nil yesterday but um they he gave a very cryptic interview where he said uh he, he, he's been he was the favorite for the Wrexham job he was the favorite for the Tranmere job in the summer and he didn't get either of them so he's got nothing to report yet and that little three-letter word has driven people up in Hartlepool absolutely mad um because it's he's not closed the door on it has he he's he's not gone no I'm not interested mm. um it He's an ex-county player, you know, he, he he wasn't, to be fair, it wasn't the best time in his career at Stockport. He came when we were when we were struggling to stay in the championship, but, you know, he does know the club. Um, he's got other people in his backroom staff that know the club and maybe he'll bring Colin Woodthorpe back because obviously Colin didn't go up to Hartlepool with him because he's he's got to bring up his two young lads after the, his wife passed away. So maybe Colin Woodthorpe would come back as well uh, and he'd be, again, a welcome sort of uh, return to the club. So I think all things aside, whether or not Challen had had a good time at Stockport as a player, his record in non-league football as a manager is probably second to none. There's not many have won as many promotions as Dave has. Um and I think, you know, I've said before, my my choice, my personal choice would have been uh, Phil, Phil Parkinson and Neil Sorvel from Altrincham, which my mates at Altrincham won't be happy with me saying that. But I genuinely think Parky would be a perfect fit because I think the way he plays football, the way he carries himself, and he's learned his trade at uh, Nantwich and Altrincham. And what he's done at Altrincham has been magnificent over a you know three four year period um but that aside challenger's record is probably better so and he's got the ex-player factor mm. as well yeah it needs it, need, it feels like it needs a, a shot in the arm now doesn't it for the county fans because obviously they were they were in love with jim gannon and, and a lot of them want jim gannon to come back that's Probably not going to happen. Probably next to next to no chance of that happening. So they need something like that, don't they? A shot in the arm of of, of, a, of a former player coming back and, and somebody who's proven at this level. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget it, it was Hartlepool not counting out the playoffs last year as well, and and it is a strange one because watching the game, you know, he he did a number on Simon Rusk. You know, he showed his experience. He they, they came to Edsley Park in the in the semi final. They were the underdogs. Apart from a Paddy Madden chance in the first few minutes, 
you know, they just closed the door, broke away, scored the goal, and then shut the door. And and it the difference between an experienced manager and somebody learning his trade was there for all to see in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I doubt there's very few. There'll, there'll be very few county fans who won't welcome Chalala come back, coming back, um, because it, we need a proven winner at this level. You've got to understand this level, uh, and and he and he knows it. I suppose I was I was just thinking about what you said about Simon Rusk there, and and I think it, I would imagine he'll emerge as a better, more rounded coach manager for this experience, which, which is uh, you know will be a positive for him in the long run, but it's not, it's not been great for County in the short term. Um, and, and I, I, I think it's, it's, it's finding somebody who works within that model that County have gone for, which I, I think is the, uh, the, the intriguing part here, either that or the abandonment of that model altogether. And you go back to having, you know, a manager who is truly the manager and doesn't have things dictated to him by a director of football I can't I can't see that happening so you know it's really interesting to hear Phil's perspective on, on, on who he thinks would be a fit I I you know we saw Phil Parkinson the night we've we've looked at Phil Parkinson and what he's done at Altrincham and 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 he is somebody that I would have have, have seen um you know being a being a, a a really strong candidate for that role but you can see the pull of the former player in, in, in Chalana, you know, that chairman or, or owners who were switched on quite often go for down that former player route because of it, it, it buys them a little bit of extra time. You know, people are always willing to be that little bit more forgiving for somebody who has played for the club and, and, and can almost like talk the supporters language as it were. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It sounds like something's going to happen quite soon at Edgley Park anyway in terms of an appointment. So we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled and, and, and see who, who it is. The, um, I mean, you mentioned um, Dave Conlon yesterday, counted through and through. Great for him to get a result like that. Uh, brought former players Michael Raines, who's actually at the club anyway, and James Jennings helped him out yesterday. I'd like to see him get the Bolton game you know, I'd, I'd I'd actually like to see them take the Bolton game and let whoever the new manager is just take a watching brief because it'd be nice for Dave. You know, I like Dave; he's a good lad, um, and I think he's probably earned. I mean, there's going to be like five thousand county fans there, so it'd be nice to have a manager in place who's actually going to just watch the game and take something from it. Um, but then again, that's probably just being a bit romantic, isn't it? <laughs> just, uh, you just, I think, um, just touching back on the Simon Russ thing, I, I genuinely hope it doesn't ruin his career. I think, um, you know, he, he's a, he comes, I never, I only met him very briefly. Uh, he interviewed him for after the Halifax game last year. Um, and he, he comes across as a nice enough lad. Um, and I wouldn't want it to ruin his career because he's obviously very highly thought of. Whether or not he takes a step back and thinks, actually, I'll take the lessons from this. I'll go back to coaching academy football, and I'll learn. I've learned from this situation. Um, the one thing that I think Simon Wilson got right was keeping Dave Conlon, because that was a really smooth transition yesterday. Obviously, as the five the five two away win showed. Um, it's amazing that they actually had more shots in that game yesterday than they had in like two or three previous games. So there was something, the break, the handbrake came off, didn't it? I mean, you, if you're going to go, you might as well go and play Dover away. You can't win anyway. Mm. So, um, but I, I'm, 
I'm sort of thinking I agree with you that, that there is a romanticism about bringing a former player back. Um, but in this case, it's a former player who has gone away from the club and proven what a great manager is. You know, he's had success, you know, Colwyn Bay and, you know, Fylde and Hartlepool. So his stock's very high. Um, I, I believe he still lives in the Northwest as well. So, you know, it, it makes it makes perfect sense to me. As I say, I would genuinely, I, I would prefer Phil Parkinson because I just think everything that Parky does is methodical. He, you know, his football, he's play, they play nice football, as do uh, Challenger's teams. If it's one of those two, I'm not going to be upset. If it's any of those that you mentioned before, Luke, I'll be very upset. <laughs> don't blame me, don't, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want the likes of Paul Ince and um, Mike Flynn, and nothing against Mike Flynn because he's done well at... Uh, is, is Newport, Newport County. Maybe yeah. it's a county thing. Maybe it's a county thing. I never thought of that. But we don't want like the likes of Paul Ince being mentioned. I mean, that's just... It, it's wrong. Apparently, he was at Edgley Park last week as well. Um, but that's just... I don't know. We don't want think, Paul Ince. I think you only have to turn up to watch a game to get linked with the managerial role. It, um, you know, I've seen... We've got a vacancy at my own club, Telford, at the moment. And anybody who turns up, you know, is, or we could be the next manager. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, Paul Lynch seems to be, he's been out of circulation in management for, for a, a good while now. I, I'd be, uh, you know, I, I can't see that. Thing like well, anyway. he was only successful because of Ray Mathias anyway. <laughs> sorry, 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 Paul. <laughs> I was going to say, Luke, just touching on that game yesterday, um, and obviously we, we haven't said a lot about it, but, but a 5-2 win. Um, something um, I noticed from it, certainly one of the things that always appeals to you, five goals, five different scorers. And I think it was notable that, that, that in, the, in amongst those five different scorers for county, county were some of these players that we spoke about uh, as being these kind of statement of incent signings. It was goal, goals for Quigley, Madden, Frank Shaw, you know, Ben, ben Whitfield as well. So it was it was shared out. And some of those players that had been bought with the idea of making that kind of impact sort of looks as if they finally had it that impact yesterday away at Dover. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it smacks of uh, the, the director of football is, is putting a list of players in. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever be able to prove it. But the players they've brought in, um, Crankshaw's a great signing. I mean, he, he's a lot, he's a northern lad and a northwest lad anyway. So he's he's at the ground running and he looks, you know. I know I work with a Bradford fan and they're fuming that he's he's been allowed to leave. Quigley for me, I think the problem the problem with Quigley is he misses games because of suspension because he's you know puts himself about a bit. Um, and under under Rusk, we didn't. If you're buying Quigley, and I don't have a problem with buying Quigley, if you're buying Quigley, you need to buy another option that plays the same way because he is going to miss games, and he's already missed a few through injury. He will miss games through suspension, and the way we were set up to play with him when he was missing, there was a complete lack of, you know, we were playing two little lads up front instead of one big lad. Um, but if he remains fit. Um, and Madden's playing off him. I mean, you know, Crankshaw, Madden, Whitfield, they're all going to score goals if Quigley's in the team. So it, it's 
under Rust, they just weren't getting the ball up to him quick enough. So obviously that happened yesterday. And the other thing you missed the other the other lad who scored yesterday, Hogan. He's he's had a poor time of it recently, and he gave a penalty away as well yesterday, from what I'm told. Uh, so nice for him to score because he's not he's not been in his best form of recent weeks, um, and hopefully that'll you know give him a boost as well. Real well, Phil. Thanks for joining us and uh, getting your insight on the Stockport County role and and the job, and hopefully for yourself there'll be pushing for the playoffs at least in promotion this year. Well, you never know, Luke. We could be at Wembley watching it, the playoffs. Together again, <laughs> us two, eh? Arguing over goals and deflections. <laughs> well, well, that's what we do, isn't it? <laughs> right. I was right, though. You were right, you were right, yeah, yeah. Solihull are just behind those teams as well as Halifax. Uh, Solihull and Halifax both drew 0-0 in their respective games. Solihull drew 0-0 at home to Yeovil. Halifax drew 0-0 away at Bromley, where, hold the back page, Michael Cheek missed a penalty. Wow. I didn't know that, to be fair. Um, but uh, I guess it has to happen every so often. I wish he'd missed the penalty the week before uh, at Aldershot, but that didn't happen, of course. Um, and the main comment I've got on those games, Luke, is... Quite simply that, we, we don't get very often 2 nil nil in the National League, do we? <laughs> no, no, it's very rare. There's always lots of goals and Solihull and Yeovil both had a man sent off. John and Cranston got a straight red card for an off-the-ball incident in the second half and a Max Hunt with probably the clearest sending off of the weekend as he, as he hacked down the Solihull forward as he was going through to receive. He actually only got a second yellow, which made a red, but it could have been a straight red card on its own. And we saw Solihull, didn't we, on, on Tuesday, Dickie? You can hear that podcast back when they visited Altrincham. And do you think they'll feel that's a bit of a missed opportunity for them after their win at Altrincham? I think they will. I think it, it consolidates the three points they got on, on Tuesday night, which, I mean, it, it could easily have been just a point on Tuesday. So if you'd said to them four points across the two games, would they have taken that? I'm sure they would. But having got three points on Tuesday night, you would very much, I'm sure, Neil Ardley would very much have been hoping that they'd kicked on and got three yesterday. I mean, it's a good point away from home for Yeovil. A little bit disappointing for Solihull, but they, they stay in fifth place. So, you know, they're, 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 they're still up there. Um, long way to go yet. Yeah. yeah, good four points for Yeovil as well across the board. So again, Bromley with two games in hand. Will, again, they maybe will feel it's, it's a missed opportunity. As we mentioned, Michael Cheek, missing that penalty, but for Halifax, a really good point. And they remain just three points off the, the top as well. I mean, realistically, if results go far, Halifax, over the next week, they could be top of the table this time next week, couldn't they? It's quite conceivable. I mean, I think, we, you know, the way we've seen the lead at the top of the table change hands how many times now already in the first couple of months of the season um, shows that there isn't, anybody absolutely running away with this that if you get on a little you know good run string together a few wins and you're already within striking distance at the top then then yeah you I suppose going top then puts you in the position of you there to be shot at but you know how many times have we said this season I know you've tipped Bromley to, to win the title because of this flying under the radar you know how many times have we on this podcast got to sort of like February March time and said you know, 
is it fair that we actually call this team genuine contenders now? I think we did it with, with Sutton last season. You know, we kept saying, well, are they, aren't they? And, and eventually we, we, we acknowledged that they've been doing it for so long that we had to take them seriously. Who's going to come out of this pack and be that team this season? Who knows at the moment? It, it's just so open, but that's what makes it so intriguing. Rob, if you're a Halifax fan, are you getting giddy at the minute or what? Um, no, I think for them it's, it's uh, I, I think for them it's slight overachievement again, like last season. And you know, Pete Wilde is that manager that we have to look at that way, don't we? Like, why why are we continually surprised by how his team is doing well up there? Despite not having one of the biggest budgets or one of the greatest squads, it's the it's the sum of the parts. It's the it's the quality of the team, and you know what Pete Wilde would probably have said after the game yesterday is that Do you know what we didn't score today, but hey, we did the next best thing. If you're not going to score, and that's keep a clean sheet and get another point on the board. Uh, and I know a few teams that would give their right arm. Now let me ref- let me rephrase that. I know a team. That would give their right arm for a clean sheet because they've not had one all season. But hey, we'll come to them in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to touch on Pete Wilde there. It, 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 I'm not sure it's necessarily um, anything other than just the kind of talk that you see on social media. But we, And we're going to come on and talk about the Stockport County vacancy. But I've, I've seen Pete Wilde's name mentioned in, in that respect this week, which it's a measure of the of the job he's doing at Halifax, that, that such an upwardly mobile club as Stockport County would, um, that he'd enter into the frame for that. Yeah, it's a really good point, Dickie, because Stockport have got to find the balance here between someone who knows this level and can could get consistent results that, that gets them up into the upper echelons, you know, to at least make the playoffs in this division. But if they're going to put something together that works long term, they want someone who can also find their way around the uh, EFL. And Pete Wilde's had experience there as well, hasn't he? On, albeit on a couple of relatively short, temporary spells with Oldham. He's been at both levels. And, and I, I absolutely think Stockport... And I'm sorry, Halifax fans, I know you won't want to lose Pete Wilde, but he absolutely should be one of uh, perhaps three or four managers that they are taking a really close look at. I know Chris isn't here with us today, but I know he's somebody who, he said, if, if Stockport County wanted to make a shrewd appointment, then Pete Wilde would be his choice on that. And as I say, uh, Halifax fans, were not trying to get rid of Pete Wilde for you, but you never know, do you, what, what is going to happen and who Stockport County are going to appoint. So it's a case of watch this space. Uh, another team with big expectations this year, and there's certainly been a lot of fanfare this week, has been Wrexham. Of course, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds turned up at Maidenhead. They saw their team lose. They've been at the ground all week. Becky Eyes did get her interview. She she mentioned it last week. She she finally got up there and was part of the press scrum last week that managed to interview them during the week. And then they were on the pitch trying to give a rousing speech. Ultimately, though, it was only a draw for Wrexham. And the question I want to ask you guys is, was... Was that result surprising on Saturday, mainly because there was no pressure on Torquay with all the fanfare, you know, on and off the pitch? Maybe it distracted the Wrexham players a little bit. What do you think? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, fantastic to stay in the game for Torquay. You've got a party atmosphere building on their press conference in the week. The best part of 10,000, I think, in there at the race course. And they score in the first minute or two as well. And you're thinking, this could go off now. 
but Torquay stay in the game and they I mean their equalising goal was one of the earliest of their late equalisers in the 84th minute but what a point that is for Gary Johnson's men and, and for Rob and Ryan they've literally experienced so many of the highs and lows that you get watching this level of football watching Wrexham you know they've seen them get well you know go go well behind at Maidenhead come back Storming second half comeback. Great excitement, only to lose it again late on. And then on Saturday, they score in the first minute. They will have been thinking, this is it. This is the one. And still, they didn't win. One point out of the six available over the two games. Um, and uh, they, they, they will have been crushed with disappointment. Um, but it's that disappointment that, as you guys know, uh, as I know, that uh, becomes the obsession and it's very difficult to let go. Um, but fair play to them. Fair play to Becky. She did a great job. Um, and uh, she wasn't very far away from them again yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw the BT Sport coverage. She literally said, and I think she tweeted, if she just leant back and looked to her right about 15 yards, they were right there. She could see them in person. She's still like a giddy schoolgirl. <laughs> she uh, could smell the aftershave on them. I imagine they wear a very nice aftershave as well. Uh, he, he advertises one, doesn't he? I think Ryan Reynolds. I hope he wears it then. Well, well you'd yeah. hope so, wouldn't you? And maybe that should be the question next time. Are you wearing the... Are you wearing, mind you, you'd, you'd have to be sat there drinking gin at the same time, wouldn't they? So. <laughs> uh, they got... Some of the questions they got in that 35-minute, I think it was, press conference, press call, uh, where the pair of them were stood on the, uh, on the, on the stand at uh, the race course. There were some good, really good questions in there. One of, I can't remember who asked it. I don't think it was Becky. It might have been. But, um, who's the most famous person they want to bring along? And they said, Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, loves his, he loves his soccer, does Will Ferrell. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him make an appearance at the race course in the near future. Wrexham are in 13th, but they've also got two games in hand. They're currently, though, seven points off the playoff places, so slight concern for them there. Above them are Woking and Altrigum, who met yesterday down in Surrey, and for Wild Dickie, it looked like it was going to be the first draw of the season for Woking. However, Tavon Campbell popped up again to win the game for the Cards. Yeah, I mean, we only I only noted last week that, that, uh, that they hadn't drawn a game in the league so far. So um, it almost looked as if I'd, I'd had the Indian sign over that game. But uh, yeah, a, a really good win for, for, for Woking there. I mean, Altrincham going there, being competitive yet again, we, 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 we were conscious about the, um, the, the player shortage that Wrexham had when we attended the game on Tuesday evening with, with players injured uh, and with COVID and, and even a suggestion that they'd wanted to call the game off and had been told no, you know, you know, just go out and make some signings. The game needs to go ahead. Um, but yeah, they, they were on the wrong side of it yesterday. Um, when we think they led through Tom Pierce early on, Max Kretschmark then got uh, Woking back into it. Uh, in the Effion put Woking back into the lead. Josh Hancock equalised just three minutes later, uh, but then Campbell's winner in the 78th minute. And it was sending off at the end as well for Altrincham, which won't help their uh, position in terms of player availability. Um, they had Ben Pringle dismissed for a second yellow card in injury time. Yeah, it was a disappointing result for Altrincham. But as I say, circumstances are going against them in the minute, but they are still in 10th place. So if you feel Parkinson, he'll be quietly pleased with that, won't he? 
I would think so. Yes. I mean, you know, again, um, you know, from from the outside looking in, you know, Phil Parkinson's doing a tremendous job. Eastleigh there up to 12th. They got a good 1-0 win over Maidenhead. And we're going to move down to the bottom now. And, well, it's fair to say, I mean, Kingsland lost again, but they're still out of the bottom three because at the minute there are three teams below them that unfortunately are worse, aren't they, Rob? Yeah, there's a gap now. There's a distinct gap when you look at it, uh, separating the bottom four and the rest. Obviously, Dover have got their own gap as well, you know, well discussed. But Kings Lynn and Southend and Aldershot uh, are on eight, seven or eight points. And then there is a six-point gap um, up to uh, 19th place. And uh, that gap will be looking a little bit scary uh, to fans of all three of those uh, those clubs. Um, and uh, it's, it's it's worrying worrying times if you support uh, the Linnets or the Shrimpers or the Shots. Yeah, Weymouth beat Kingsland by a goal to nil. Musa, the new signing there, got the winning goal, and also Weymouth missed a penalty. And they had Kingsland had Michael Gayasit sent off. Uh, Barnet, it's been a fantastic few days for them. They won. 2-1 at Stockport, which ultimately saw the departure of Simon Rusk, as we've mentioned. And they followed it up with a, a vital win over all the shot in the TV game. And Rob, I know you were there just kind of because of technical difficulties. You didn't commentate on the game. You're just there as a fan in the end. And it was one of those, was it one of those games? I think, Rob, where the last like week, last two games, they've maybe tagged the players are tagged and put a red pen around and go, we need to get some points from this. And ultimately they haven't, have they? Yeah, um, I think the, the the full intention was to pick up a minimum of four points in those two games. They looked like games for all the shot at home to Weymouth and away to Barnet. But, you know, after some very, very, very difficult fixtures uh, against big sides, against sides in good form, where they put in improved performances, they, they weren't able to pick up any points um, across those two games. Just dealing with the Barnet game, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, to contrast the fortunes of the two sides. They relieved their previous managers of their duties a month or so ago within 24 hours of each other. And Barnett have had that uh, archetypal manage, new manager bounce. I mean, I know he wasn't the new manager. He was there as the head of the football. But for Dean Brennan, um, you know, a fantastic week to, to win at a place like Stockport and then to get the job done in what, for large periods, looked like it was going to be a draw um, against Aldershot. I, I've got nothing new to say about Aldershot because it is like Groundhog Day under Danny Searle, also under Mark Molesby. They continue to put in performances that are, are of predominantly of the level required to pick up one point or three, but key moments are costing them. And it happened again. It happened live on TV. They started so brightly. Jimmy Torrey was ripping it up down the left wing and then opened up his groin on what, quite frankly, is a ridiculous tiny gap between the grass and the Astro with a little rut at Barnet that needs looking at for me. Um, but that's just frustration as all the shot continue to not pick up points, continue to pick up injuries. I had one moment, as you say, Luke, um, watching a little bit more as a fan. I did do some reporting to radio just in the uh, pre-match and, and up to half-time because of the late kickoff. But when all the shot got level, yeah, I I, feel, I filmed the goal, probably shouldn't have done, on my phone. 
Um, and it, I think my son watched it and said, Dad, I haven't heard you scream out like that as a fan for years. And, and that's because, as I was saying to you, Dickie, before, you know, when you're involved in the media, when you're commentating on a game, you can't do that. You have to mute down the fan inside you. It was a lovely moment, but sadly, it wasn't enough. And um, <clears throat> a really, really fine finish from Rob Ball, I think about four or five minutes from time, got the points done for Barnet. And after that, uh, the game I caught up with uh, Dean Brennan. I'm joined for the NL full-time podcast by uh, Barnett's current manager. I don't know what title to give you, but, you know, head of football, head of the team right now, and not letting go of that at the moment with the run you're on. One defeat in six games, another three points against Aldershot. It's going better, isn't it? A lot better. Yeah, we've got well on two points per game over the seven games I've been in charge. You know, we've got fantastic football clubs, a lot of good people here. And we've got a good bunch of lads that are just walking their socks off for themselves and their families and more importantly the team so very proud of our character today because we could have mentally whittled a little bit because at half time we should have been two nil up you know with a clear goal that was clearly onside right on half time and uh, we showed character and then all the shot asked a lot of questions over second half and we defended as well as we could yeah so you're climbing up the table a little bit and, and you're proving there's a number of different ways to win games of football you don't have to dominate the whole game you don't have to be pretty do you you've got to get it right at the right boxes if you don't make tackles in this division you ain't going to win football matches you need to make as many tackles as you can and we want to make them in the, in the opposition's half and we're just showing genuine honesty and hard work and grit you know against all the shot uh, sorry against Stockport on Tuesday night we made 64 tackles in their half and that's in the whole game. There was 20 in the first half and 24 in the second half. And that's that's what we're looking off. You know, if you look at Liverpool against Manchester United last week, how many tackles did they make, you know? And that's what... Listen, we're not Liverpool, but we're trying to replicate that kind of style of football. And just one quick point uh, before we let you go. Something I noticed, I don't think too many people will be talking about after the game, but a nil-nil in the first half, your keepers parried a ball straight into the path of Mikhail and Jolie. He's, he's strolling up to tap it in and Sam Beard comes out of nowhere and clears it. That, for a defender, is as good as scoring a goal, isn't it? Yeah, I thought Sam Beard was outstanding. He's been out injured for a month. You know, he's a young lad learning his trade in the game. And if you look at our team today, seven of the lads were all under the age of 23. A very young team, which is what we want. That's the, the criteria we're looking to recruit. But Beard, he was outstanding today. That was Dean Brennan. And uh, at least it wasn't a surprise, surprise to see Silla on the score sheet yesterday, eh? Oh, yeah, I mean, we missed one there, didn't we? I was so excited. I sent my boys a WhatsApp message earlier to say, we've got Mo Silla. Um, and that was technically correct. It, it wasn't quite what it sounded, but my goodness me, he, uh, he, he, he had, he's got Salah's habits anyway. Uh, volleyed one in on his debut. Mo Silla, it is S-Y-L-L-A. Uh, re- most recently playing at Oldham. Um, and a fine start for him individually, but collectively, still zip for all the shut down. Yeah, and as we mentioned, it was South End. They did lose at Boreham Wood, and sort of the world continues for them. And it's it's looking difficult, isn't it, for all three sides down there? As I say, there, there is a, a massive gap now, isn't there? Yeah, and the main point is that there's only 23 teams in the league. Only three will go down. But my goodness me, if in, uh, you know, not even into November or will be in November as the time this podcast breaks. But, you know, to, to be already thinking as a supporter, oh my God, uh, you know, we, we need to finish top of this little mini group to ensure our survival for next year. Maybe that's a little bit too literal at this stage. There is such a long way to go. Still 30 odd games, 28, 29, 30 games for most sides. But, uh, uh, yeah, Barnet have shown. 
Weymouth have shown to some extent until Saturday Maidenhead have shown you get those back-to-back wins life can look a whole lot better so moving on to the National League North, if, if it have had a cheeky 10p bet with the National League official betting sponsors, Unibet, you could have got good odds on all the home teams winning. And it was looking that way, but then in came Telford, Dickie, and ruined it all. <laughs> they did, yeah. We'll come to them later, but, but you're right. There was every game played in the Van Rama National League North yesterday, bar one, finished in a home win. Um Kicking that off at the top of the table, we've got to start with AFC Fylde. Um, They beat Gateshead 2-0, maintained their lead at the top of the division at four points. Goals from David Perkins and Joe Piggott. Goals just a couple of minutes apart there. Sounds like Gateshead had plenty of possession in the second half, which Gateshead tend to do, but they couldn't break through. And Fylde maintained their 100% home record. That's played 6-1-6 at home now, scoring 10 goals and only conceding two. Um, Not... Great, so great for Gates. Said they dropped to ninth. Um, they're one hundred percent at home, but they've only got one win away from five. Uh, one win in five away from home. So it's clearly on the road where Mike Williamson's team uh, need to improve. Uh, Fylde did, uh, of course, lose their unbeaten record last week. But Jim Bentley said it's a good side, a sign of a good side when you can bounce back from a bump in the road. Um, interesting, I, I also listened to his pre always post-match interview um, and I wouldn't say it was a criticism but but uh, I think he remarked at times that the, the, the crowd at Fylde were, it sounded as if they were perhaps a little bit impatient that, that what Fylde were doing was keeping hold of the ball um, and that they were essentially just trying to find a different way to break down the opposition rather than sort of, um, you know, just giving the ball away. Uh, and Jim Bentley didn't sound, um, he wasn't angry or anything, but he sounded just like a little bit frustrated that perhaps the home crowd didn't necessarily see what his side were, were facing and what they were having to do in order to break Gateshead down. But they did so in the end. Um, uh, and yeah, they continue at the top of the table. Yeah, they found a way in the end, which is always handy. Um, so just behind them, of course, you've got challenges like your York, York City and Kidderminster. They were both at home uh, and they both had good 4-0 wins, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I mean, there they were some, some big uh, home wins around yesterday in that number. And, and uh, we'll start off with, with the Kidderminster one. Uh, Kidderminster up to sixth. Um, but they they faced Spennymoor Town and Spennymoor, uh, they dropped to fifth as a result of this. Harry hasn't beaten in three matches now, ahead through Alex Penny in the first half and then second half goals from Amari Sterling, Sam Austin, Ethan Freeman. Harrier's biggest win of the season, it matched that. They beat Bradford Park Avenue 5-1 at home last time out uh, at a 4-0 uh, yesterday. So the Harriers home fans are seeing plenty of goals. Uh, comfortably Spennymoor's biggest loss of the season and that's their second loss in a row and third game without a win. Um, York City's was another convincing home win, 4-0 over Blythe Spartans, and that puts York up into the playoff places there. Three matches, um, or three defeats at the start of the season's a, a bit of a distant memory now. Paddy McLaughlin got them on the road after just two minutes, Matt Brown with a second, just after the quarter of an hour. It was 3-0 before the interval through Mackenzie Heaney, and then Kurt Willoughby, he was bound to get in on the action. Um, he got a goal in the second half. Um, and yeah, not looking great for Blythe Spartans at the moment. That's their fifth loss in a row, eighth game without a win, and they've only scored two goals in their last five matches. Um, big result that for York, wasn't it? After they've had a few off-field issues this week, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They they, they were without assistant manager Mickey Cummins yesterday. He's um, they've come to an agreement that 
that he won't be involved around the first team at the moment, pending the outcome of some charges have been brought against him by the Football Association in regard to betting on matches. Now, I wouldn't, I, I, I've got no evidence. I don't believe that this result is, is about betting on matches involving York City, but the rules are very stringent around this. Um, and that actually a number of players have fallen foul of, of this lately. There have been a couple of players at Boston United. Um, I think former uh, uh, Barnet and Gloucester City and Solly Almore's player Liam Daly is awaiting a charge in this respect as well. So, the, the rules are there, and I do believe there is education that's that's given to players in clubs. But but uh, and I think some of the offences do relate back to their historic as well. So so I, mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily the case that these players are, uh, or or Mickey Cummins is necessarily going to be hit with you know a, a really lengthy suspension. But but it, it's just that awareness of of what the rules are and, and just taking care not to not to go outside of that. Yeah, Brackley continue there. Good run, don't they? They won one nil at home to Gloucester. Yes, they did. One nil home win for for Kevin Wilkins' team keeps them in, in second place. So they are four points adrift of hold, but they've got games in hand. Leon Love with a winner in the twenty ninth minute. It's a third consecutive win, third consecutive clean sheet. Um, things weren't so great for Gloucester. I mean, a one nil margin is not. You know that the worst of defeats, but they had four men booked. They had Ben Nugent dismissed for a second yellow in the second half as well. After he he handled the ball, attempting to score by the sound of things. Um, and yeah, the the Tigers are bottom of the table with just six points from twelve matches now, only one point in seven matches away from home. Um, and there was a bit of an ominous warning. I think Alex Petherham, the chairman, spoke to Gloucestershire Live um, for for a comment on this and and said. This now goes beyond the manager and the players uh, and the players need to take a long, hard look at themselves. If fundamental changes need to happen beyond the manager, the board will be prepared to make them. We're fully behind Lee, Lee Mansell, the interim manager. We're supporting him through this difficult period, but football is a results-driven business in a pyramid system and we won't put a timescale on any decision around managerial appointments. So I think, uh, you know, I think it's been interpreted by some people as, as a as a warning to Lee Mansell that his job's under threat. I don't, I don't necessarily think so, but I think it's more about giving the message to the Gloucester City supporters that, you know, if hard decisions have to be made, that they will be made. Yeah, won't be tolerated, certainly. Um, interesting result, uh, an interesting week for Farsley. They lost 2-1 at Charlie, but they also lost manager Adam Leitland during the week, didn't they? Yes, they did. They went into this game um, without... Adam Lakeland, after he stepped down from his role on, I think it was Thursday, to take the, the vacant manager's position at Curzon Ashton. He had been at Curzon Ashton previously as assistant to John Flanagan. Um, I, I'm led to believe that this was all done uh, uh, above board in that uh, uh, Curzon Ashton approached Farsley for permission to, to speak to Adam Lakeland. That permission must have been given and, and he's decided to move on. Neil Ross, their under-23s manager, took over yesterday. And I think it sounds like they could count themselves a little bit unfortunate. I think Jamie Vermiglio, um, the, the Chorley manager, even admitted that, you know, um, Farsley could feel a little bit aggrieved at having lost out. He said, you know, it was a vital win for us. They're a team in transition and they had set up differently to how perhaps he expected, which maybe explains why Chorley found this one to be hard work yesterday. However, they did win 2-1. They're up to third position 
um, on 21 points. Uh, and they're unbeaten in nine matches now in the league, Jamie Vermiglio's side. They lost their first two, but have since gone on a terrific unbeaten run. Lewis Turner did put Farsley ahead, but Billy Whitehouse levelled and then assisted on a winner for... I think it's Milenic Ali in the 88th minute. He's on loan from Stockport County. He got the winner. Yeah, four more games to look at starting with Boston and that's back-to-back wins at home for them now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Boston are on a very good run. I mean, I think Craig Elliott's potentially in, in contention for the, the October manager of the month with the run that they've been on. Um, it's a fifth win from six matches in October for Boston, a fourth win in a row, either home or away. Hereford weren't helped by the fact that they, they arrived at the ground late and kickoff had to go back to 3.30. Uh, Jordan Burrow put Boston ahead after 17 minutes. It did take until the very last minute before Shane Burns' penalty made it truly safe for Craig Elliott's team at 2-0. But yeah, that's five wins on the banks at their new Jakeman's Community Stadium since losing there on, on opening day to Spennymore. Um Hereford, they did hit the post through Miles' story. Uh, they're in 21st position. I think the problem for them isn't necessarily away from home. Away from home, it's only their second defeat. I think they've got one win and three draws. But Hereford haven't won a home league fixture yet. And, and you know, mired down in 21st place, making your home form strong and making it a difficult place to come, it, is, it, it certainly looks to be... That would, that would be near the top of my list if I was Josh Gowling. Yeah, two big winners as well in Alfreton and Darlington. Both had big 5-1 home wins, didn't they? Yeah, that, that trend of big home wins continues. Bradford Park Avenue, we said they, they lost 5-1 away at Kidderminster in their last away game. And they've lost by the same score again yesterday. Alfreton up to eighth on, on the back of this result. And unbeaten in six matches as well for, for Billy, his team. Um uh, yeah, it wasn't a great start for them. They were 3-0 down within 10 minutes. Goals from Southwell, Cissé and Hobson. Avenue did get a goal back through Adam Novakowski, but then goals from Reeves and Branson extended the lead for Alfreton to 5-1. Um, and yeah, not much more you can say about that one. Bradford obviously be looking to bounce back next week when they face um, my own team, AFC Telford. Yeah, and Darlington, uh, big winners, weren't they, against a COVID hit, Geisley? Yeah, there's a bit of a story behind this one. I mean, the scoreline of 5-1 for Darlington, you know, it does look an absolute thumping, but I don't think it tells the story. Geisley, um went on record as saying that they had 15 players unavailable, either through suspension, injury, or because they had players isolating due to COVID. They had four players making their full senior debuts. There was actually six debutants in total. So there were, there were six uh, players making their their. their Geisley debut in total. They also had three players on the bench who had signed first team forms only this week, so you can see it was a pretty youthful lineup. Um, they're also away to to AFC Wimbledon at Ploughlin in the FA Cup next weekend. I think you've got to give some credit to Geisley here for actually wanting to play this game, uh, and I think they, they do feel that the younger players will come out of it better for the experience but they were on the wrong end of a bad scoreline Jack Lambert opened the scoring Jake Cassidy added a second and then Will Hatfield made it 3-0 early into the second half Lewis Hay pulled a goal back but further goals from Jake Cooper and Junior Mondale rounded things off for Darlington Uh, Southport got their first win midweek as we mentioned in our midweek podcast and he followed that up another team to get back-to-back wins at home they beat Chester by three goals to two 
Yeah, uh, like buses, um, they've, the two have come along in, uh, in quick succession here for Southport. They had their second league win in five days. Uh, Jack Bainbridge put them into an early lead. Anthony Dudley levelled for Chester after 34 minutes for, uh, from the penalty spot. Jordan Archer put Southport ahead again before the interval and Marcus Carver actually added a, a third five minutes before the break. So Chester found themselves 3-1 down. They got back into it very early on with a Paddy Lacey goal in the second half, but they couldn't break Southport down again and Southport get the, the claim the points. Also noting that one, I think there's something of a, a club record for Marcus Carver of Southport. His goal was his ninth was his goal was a goal in his ninth consecutive Southport home game, which I, I believe is a record. And he's now scored in nine home games in a row. Uh, Chester in fourteenth, Southport up to sixteenth, um, and yeah, that that was the that rounded out the the victories for the day. The final game it was the one I was at was AFC Telford one, Leamington one. Um, Telford, I wouldn't say count themselves unfortunate. They may feel as if they should have hung on. They led through a 70th minute penalty from Elliot Durrell, but then they had the lead for barely a minute before Cayman Anderson levelled for Lemington at the other end. They'll have to sell for a point to Peeps. Lemington are in 11th, Telford in 18th. Yeah, Paul Holleran will be certainly the happier of the two managers, I think, won't he? Um, I think he'd be really pleased with the way his side responded to going a goal down. I mean, it was, uh, uh, dare I say it, when I say a typical Leamington performance, that's not meant to sound unkind to them. They they set themselves up to be hard to break down. And, and Telford, as much as they did have some possession and played some, you know, uh, some passing football in the final third, they really didn't create very many clear uh, scoring opportunities. You got the sense that if there was a goal, whoever got it would probably hang on. And I think if Leamington had got the first goal, you could have seen them um, hanging on to get a 1-0 victory but Telford got it, Leamington struck back um, and ultimately it was probably just about a fair result uh, for both sides So we're going to look now at the National League South and in the National League South the game of the day was down at Darkin and Dartford, well, they have finally lost a game this season. Steve King won't be too happy. They drew nil-nil at Chelmsford last Monday and then they succumbed six minutes from time to Matthew Briggs which means that they are now only one point ahead of the team in second place. And they are, rather surprisingly, St. Albans City. Uh, they beat Eastbourne Borough by two goals to one. And a bit like how we showed surprise before at Michael Cheek not scoring. Well, Sean Jeffers didn't get on the score sheet for St. Albans yesterday. And uh, it shows, I suppose, that they, they don't always have to rely heavily on him. They did fall behind in the first half to Eastbourne. Charlie Kendall scoring the goal there. But then goals... Late on from John Goddard and Mitchell Weiss, three minutes from time, meant that Ian Allington's men secured all three points. Dawkins are in joint third, as we mentioned there, just two points behind St. Albans. And in third position on goal difference, it is Oxford City. They continued their great form. Two second half goals from Joe Iacofano. Second one was a penalty, meant that they got a 2-0 win at Tunbridge Angels. Maidstone, they slipped down the table. They lost 3-2 at Hungerford. It was a great day for Ryan Seeger. He secured a hat-trick. Regan Booty was sent off for Maidstone after just half an hour. And Juan Luque and Sam Korn got the goals there. Seeger's winning goal came in the first minute of stoppage time. So late, late drama down there in Berkshire. Dulwich Hamlet 
Dave moved into the playoff places quietly. An entertaining game against Tom's beloved Hampton and Richmond Borough. It was 2-2 at halftime. Two goals from Danny Mills for Dulwich Hamlet. Ryan Gondo and Kieran Fallon with the goals for Hampton and Richmond Borough. And then it was an also an entertaining second half. Charlie Wasmer put Hampton and Richmond Borough ahead before Ronnie Vint equalised on the hour. Hampton then lost Sam Cox to a red card six minutes from time before Jack Holland grabbed the winner three minutes from time. Down at the bottom, Bill Ricky being kept off the, off the bottom on goal difference. They lost 1-0 at Welling. Peter Taylor certainly sparked a revival there. It took him eight minutes from time to get the winner. Christine Campbell scored for Welling. Whereas Braintree, they needed a last-minute equaliser from a former Hartlepool and all the shot man, Miles Anderson, to get a point at Chippenham. That was in the fourth minute of stoppage time. However, as I say, it does keep them bottom. They don't move off the bottom at all with that result. And the other results were Slough 1, Concord 1. That does neither side any favours, really. A late equaliser in the very last minute from Danny Green after Alfonso Tenconi, that man, once again, had put Slough ahead. And then another entertaining game between Chelmsford and Haven and Waterlooville. They came out, the away side, Haven and Waterlooville came out the best in a five-goal thriller. And it was a hat-trick from Jake McCarthy, which ultimately got all three points for the Hampshire side, despite Adam Morgan and Simeon Jackson being on the score sheet for the Clarets. Well, that is it. Thank you, Dickie, for joining us this week again. You're very welcome. It's always good to be in your company. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Pleasure as always, lads. Uh, Hoping for better times ahead. Yeah, and once again, thanks to Phil Brennan. Uh, That is it. Don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll see you all very soon.